Coming up on Studios America, Daniel Horowitz is here with the latest on the preventable parade tragedy in Wisconsin. Matthew McConaughey finally stops teasing us and tells us if he's running for governor. I can't wait to find out. And if you turn on cable news today, you're probably going to start hyperventilating. Let's break down the latest media-driven panic to see if it's backed up by anything as we do Omicron. Stu does America. It's Omicron, the variant of concern. Yes, that's the type of thing we're in now. We're in that news cycle again. Aren't you excited about it? I will say this. If the pandemic has taught me anything, it's that I don't know crap about the Greek alphabet. I mean, every new one is a big surprise to me. I, I mean, I knew alpha, I knew beta. And then from then on, it's been like, wow. It's like I'm, I'm at an, uh, every single one that they unveil. I'm, I feel like I'm at like the Apple unveiling with like Steve Jobs in a, in a turtleneck. And he stands up in front of his screen and says, Omicron. And everyone goes, oh, I can't wait for the new Omicron. Uh, that is the new uh, variant. It's a new variant of concern. And of course, it's important to remember, as with any COVID conversation, we are at the point in that discussion that every new development is just going to further everyone's prior beliefs. There are no persuadables left in America. I cut back on COVID talk, honestly, with you because of that fact. I mean, we're, we've kind of beat this to death, haven't we? I mean, do we really need too much more of this? The only reason I dip back in to the conversation here and there is because Every once in a while, you tell me that, hey, you know, you appreciate hearing from somebody who isn't going to say that COVID isn't dangerous at all. And in fact, it's pretty much a massage uh, or that the most dangerous thing in the world is COVID. And you should lock yourself up in a bubble surrounded by steel, surrounded by concrete until the year 2394. That is sort of the coverage that I see. And I feel like there are uh, there's some room to just look at all this crap and boil it down to what is real and what isn't. Now, I will say. As a side note, in, let's say, summer 2020, I felt bad for you, you people in you blue states up north, when you're being crushed by your blue state governments. I felt a little bad. I was like, oh, these poor people are up there and they got this crappy governor and they're doing all these things. Now, I mean, it's been two years. Get out of these blue states. I don't want to hear your whining anymore. I don't, you can't whine to me anymore about what New York is doing. I can't open my business. I can't open my gym. Yes, you, you're right. You can't open it because that's the cost of living in crappy New York. Okay, your life is going to suck. You can choose to live in a blue state and suffer, or you can come to a red state where you don't have to deal with all this crap. That's the deal now. You know what they're going to do to you. End of rant. So what's real with Omicron and what's happening? Here are the seven things you need to know about Omicron. Number one, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> now, I know I want to say Omicron or Omicron every single time, but it's not. It's Omicron, Omicron. Now, I have heard uh, that there is some, some variance allowed there. You can go Omicron, which looks like kind of a Transformers pronunciation, or Omicron. I, I guess you could take either one of those. One thing you cannot do is call it Omnicron because it's not Omnicron, right? I mean, it's, no one's saying it's Omnicron. It's, the letters aren't there. You're just making crap up at that point. It would be really bad if our most important leaders in this time of crisis thought it was Omnicron. 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 Now, 
Omicron not once, not twice, but three times. And then freaking Fauci is calling it. I think, did he say Omnicorn? Listen to this again. Omnicron, 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 Omnicorn. He's calling it Omnicorn. He thinks it's, it's like the, uh, the unicorn colors for candy corn. Like you go out for Halloween and you get like pink and blue candy corn. That's a, the Omnicorn. So get used to that. That's coming very soon to a very scary Halloween near you. Now, um, I will say this. If you are saying to your television right now, hey, idiot, uh, unlike you, Stu, I happen to be an expert on the Greek alphabet. Oh, well, well. Well, the question is then, wouldn't it be new or psi, right? Why not? Well, it's not new and you because people are stupid and they'll think it's the new variant, the N.E.W. variant. Now, of course, they have a very low opinion of us when they think that we're not going to be able to figure this out. But it's not new because people are stupid. Okay, it's not G because the World Health Organization thinks we're stupid. Okay, they think. We are going to believe their idiotic justification as to why they didn't name this thing uh, the G variant, XI. That should be the next one in order. But of course, it's also the name of the Chinese president. Now, they say it has nothing to do with that because they think we're stupid and we might just believe that. But of course, 100 percent, we know it is absolutely because the Chinese president's last name is Xi. Now, it, they say it's, well, it's just a common surname, and we didn't want to cast shade on anyone with the last name Xi. No one in particular. We just know it's common, so therefore. Now, Mu, which was, that was back in the day, the Mu variant, they went along with that, and Mu is actually a more common surname in the world than Xi. Uh, as they point out, uh, the Taiwan kind of noted this one. You're not surprised that they might notice it. WHO explanation falls, fails the sniff test. Mu is more common surname than G. It's like hundreds of thousands more people have that than, than G. So basically, yes, they're completely lying. So what are we doing to stop Omicron? Well, we're going with the travel ban, everybody. That's how we're going to start this off. Uh, travel ban from a bunch of countries. Lesotho. Now, this sucks because I have a condo in Lesotho. It's so typical. I have a timeshare in Lesotho and Eswatini, which, by the way, I am calling Swaziland to all my friends. Maybe on the air I'll call Eswatini, Eswatini. But in reality, to me, it will always be Swaziland. Okay, South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Mozambique and Malawi. Now, will the travel ban work? I mean, Joe Biden's doing it. Of course, it's not going to work. But no, it probably won't work. The idea here, though, is, of course, just to hopefully slow it down a bit. Now, it's going to take a few weeks for them to kind of sort through what these variants mean, what they're actually doing. um, And there's a lot of work that gets done behind the scenes as these things kind of filter through the system. There has to be some time to figure them out. If you can slow uh, the spread of this down a little bit for a couple of weeks, it's probably worth doing, just like it was worth doing when Trump banned travel from China. But if you're going to ban travel from all these countries, at what cost are you banning it? And I'll tell you what it is. Racism. Okay, we know that travel bans are racist. And I know that. I know for sure this is a racist travel ban because, of course, Joe Biden was 
basically saying this back in the day, February 1st, 2020. He tweeted, Trump further diminished the U.S. in the eyes of the world by expanding his travel ban. This new African ban is designed to make it harder for black and brown people to immigrate to the United States. It's a disgrace, and we cannot let him succeed. Do you remember the list of nations I just read? Sounded like, I don't know, an African ban. Also on February 1st, 2020, we are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through the global health emergency. And when he first tweeted that, I thought he was being critical of Donald Trump, but I did not realize he's actually taking it as a challenge. He wanted to be the worst possible person to deal with a crisis, and he's succeeding at that. March 12th, 2020, this is the day after the NBA cancels its season, kind of a big day, uh, maybe the biggest day of the coronavirus uh, beginnings. He tweeted, a wall will not stop the coronavirus. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it. This disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet, and we need to uh, plan to combat it. Mm, there you go. So. Basically, that one was just to tell you that Joe Biden is a complete hypocrite. He's doing the same things that President Trump did and doing them in a, a more haphazard way. And it, he's doing it after we know that it really can't stop these things from blowing up. But the most important question here, of course, is, is this Omicron worse than the normal stuff? Is it worse than the Delta? Is it worse than the Alpha? Is it worse than the G, which I'm, I'm keeping and just calling the original strain of the virus. The Wuhan virus is the G variant to me. So is Omicron more deadly? Well, of course, the actual answer is they have no freaking idea, right? They don't know for sure at this point, but probably not. This is the official current take from the World Health Organization. Quote, there is currently no information to suggest that symptoms associated with Omicron are different from those from other variants. So we kind of know what the other variants do. We know uh, that, you know, some people, if you happen to be older or uh, have uh, different, uh, different uh, outstanding sort of conditions, you're going to have some problems with COVID, just like you're going to have some problems with Delta. You're going to have some problems with Omicron, right? Um, but they don't really see anything different there. In fact, they don't even know if it's actually more transmissible yet. Quote, it is not yet clear whether Omicron is more transmissible, uh, more easily spread from person to person, in case you didn't know what that word meant, compared to other variants, including Delta. The number of people testing positive has risen in areas of South Africa affected by this variant, but epidemiological, I'm never going to say that word, epidemiological studies are underway to understand if it's because of Omicron or other factors. And the doctor who actually discovered the variant is trying to tell the world, hey, you know, it doesn't really look that bad. What we are observing um, is mild cases. Um, as in this morning, I already saw three cases, but all three children, um, under the age one, the oldest was 13, and, they, and a 10-year-old, and I think the yeah. other one is seven years old. So mild um, cases, again, to easily treated at home. The cases that we have seen last week and the week before last week, also mild cases. Um, so we are looking for the, the severe cases because the severe cases is what's going to say we are in trouble. So they've seen a bunch of cases. They've been mild. OK, very mild. In fact, at one point she called it very, very mild. Now, some understanding as to who these people are. It, it, apparently a lot of younger 
patients came in, well, they get very mild symptoms with any strain of this virus. So maybe that's the maybe it's going to be worse on older people. Maybe there are going to be more severe cases down the road. We just don't know that yet. I mean, variant of concern is the term they use for Omicron. And if you can kind of cut through all the BS, it's sort of the right phrase. Like if you're in bed and you hear a noise from another room, I mean, you know, it's probably going to be your dog or your kid, or you had a window open and a breeze blew something off of a table, it's probably nothing to worry about. But it could be a concern. It could be an escaped mental patient with a machete and a mask that thinks you're Jamie Lee Curtis. You don't know. Who knows? You should probably go in the other room just to check it out, rule out the worst case scenario. You know, unless you're a teenager having sex at a camp, then definitely don't go check it out. Just run the other way. But generally speaking, You can have a concern about something without freaking out and losing your mind over it. And that's the battle going on right now between sane people and Joe Biden. So will the vaccines work against it? Again, the correct and truthful answer is, I mean, we're at shoulder shrug times with this. It's way too early, way too early for this much panic and way too early to be able to have uh, all of the answers here. We do know the South African you know, equivalent of the CDC said the initial signs are pretty good. The vast majority of patients are unvaccinated people with a small proportion of people being partially or fully vaccinated. Now, is that a uh, does that mean for sure that they're going to work? No, I mean, it, we don't we don't know enough yet. The short answer is they still don't know. They still don't know if monoclonal antibodies are going to be uh, working on this as well, because some of the 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 differences in the variants um, are in the spike protein that, of course, the, the the vaccines work against the new Pfizer pill and some of these other newer treatments attack covid in a different way. So this shouldn't affect their effectiveness. And those are sort of right around the corner, supposedly weeks away. We'll see how that goes. Um, now, some blame uh, vaccines for the new variant. And, you know, look, uh, you know, this is going to be, as I said, no one's ever going to change their mind on any of this stuff at this point. Everyone is in their little corners and there's no amount of evidence either way that's going to change anybody's mind. But every other bad variant has come from before vaccines were even approved. The British variant, the Brazilian variant, Delta, which used to be called in those hateful old timey days, the Indian variant. Now, Delta was detected in India late last year when India literally had a 0.0% vaccination rate. Uh, also, Omicron was detected in Botswana, You're going to be surprised to hear this. Botswana, not exactly known as the vaccine capital of the world. You know, it's shocking to hear. This is, uh, by the way, the vaccine rates for travel ban countries where Omicron was detected. That's Lesotho at 27 percent vaccination rate. South Africa, 24 percent. Eswatini or freaking Swaziland. Screw your maps. I'm calling it Swaziland. 21 percent. Uh, Then you have Botswana at 20 percent, Zimbabwe, 19 percent, Namibia at 11 percent, Mozambique at 11 percent and Malawi at three big percentage points. Now, there's going to be this back and forth over this stuff. I guess the point is, if you're already vaccinated, probably you don't have to worry about it affecting uh, getting past your vaccines at this point. Uh, If you're not, you don't care. Okay, so one more thing on this. Uh, There's lots of hand wringing in the U.S. about the people who don't want to get vaccinated. And this is something that goes back and forth. You see it on Chris Cuomo's show like every night, as if you watched it. They might allow the new variants to thrive, they say. God forbid if people don't get vaccinated. 
What if that'll create more new variants? And that's the risk. That's why we have to harangue every individual person to listen to us. There can be no exceptions because of that fact. Okay, sure, right. It's possible that a new variant could come out of the United States. But remember, less than 6% of low-income nations have been vaccinated. Less than 6%. You think getting adults in this one country from like 82% where it currently is for adults to, let's say, 95%, is that going to make the big difference? I mean, shouldn't we be focusing on getting the developing world, the people who really want it in the developing world? Can we get them to double digits first? I don't know. Maybe that would make a bigger difference. Just a little uh, thing to think about. Now, is there any reason to actually worry about this? Hmm. Panic? No, there's no reason to panic at this point. If you want to make a case for worry about Omicron, it's basically this. You might remember people making jokes and rolling their eyes at the Gamma variant and the Lambda variant and the Epsilon variant and on and on and on and on and on. These stories pop up from time to time in the media and the media tries to hype them and scare you as they are here. Uh, And, you know, basically nothing happened. They kind of popped up and went away. And some of those were actually found in the United States. But again, they kind of popped up and there's a few stories about them and then they went away. None of those started a state of emergency or a ban on surgery like they're doing in New York or a travel ban. If it was only about, you know, control, which I think is, of course, always part of this conversation, one might wonder why their behavior is so different in this case. Of course, the exception to the hype trend was Delta. Now, Delta, there was a lot going on around the world, and we didn't really do that much to react specifically to Delta, but it did live up to the hype in a lot of ways. It's probably the only one that I can think of that did. But that one has already, you know, done so much damage and had already done a lot of damage around the world, including devastating India before we really did anything about it at all. This one hasn't devastated anything anywhere. So if you're just judging by the context of their actions, one could argue that either they know something we don't or maybe they're just overreacting because of how dominant Delta became in pretty short time. So there is a scenario here where things get ugly, yeah, but is there reason to panic? I don't think so. On the other hand, there is reason to panic about our reaction to these restrictions. And I've said this a million times. If we sit back and we allow all of these restrictions to go through unabated, what happens when the next variant is discovered? What happens when the next rumor of a virus bubbles up in Asia? Then what? What happens to us then? This is why it's crucial, for example, we push these court cases through the court system all the way to the end of the road. Even if the restrictions are basically moot, First Liberty Institute is doing a good job on the religious front. And you might say, well, everyone's churches are open now. Why bother? We need to get these on record. We need to make big walls and bright lines as to what we will tolerate and what our Constitution allows. Because if it's not Omicron, it will be something else threatening our freedoms and our way of life. We better be prepared for it. Ah, remember when a trillion dollars was a lot of money. Now we all have it in our bank accounts. Between Biden's monstrous infrastructure bill, uh, Pelosi's reckless spending, stimulus checks going everywhere, unemployment benefits going everywhere, the Fed is printing trillions of dollars overnight. Trillion dollars isn't what it used to be. Inflation is rising at the fastest pace since at least 2008. So how are professional investors preparing? They're turning to an under-the-radar asset class where Prices have really more than doubled S&P returns between 1995 and 2020. It's a real physical asset, not gold, not real estate, not crypto. It's actually fine art. 
And for the first time ever, everyday investors can allocate toward the $6 trillion asset class. It's no longer exclusive to the ultra-wealthy, thanks to one revolutionary startup. More than 200,000 members have already signed up, and their wait list keeps getting longer and longer. Luckily, luckily for uh, our, uh, I think people think of this audience as fancy. You know, people are like, oh, gosh, that, that fancy audience, they're probably investing in fine art. Well, guess what? You can now. You can get a special link to skip the waiting line. Go to masterworks.io slash stew. That's masterworks.io slash stew. Previous offers have sold out in hours, so don't wait around. It's masterworks.io slash stew. Invest in fine art with masterworks.io slash stew. Happy to welcome Daniel Horowitz back to the program. He's a senior editor of TheBlaze.com and host of The Blaze podcast, Conservative Review. Be sure to subscribe to that if you haven't already. Daniel, how's it going? Great to be with you, Stu, in these troubling times. <laughs> they are troubling. Um, and I hope you can help me um, uh, solve a mystery of sorts. Uh, it's, a, it's a case of a disappearing news story. Uh, last week... I remember this whole terrible incident uh, with the um, uh, Christmas parade in Wisconsin, uh, all of the tragedy that was associated with it. And it, as soon as it started, uh, the coverage, it seemed to just dry up really quickly. And I, I don't know if you have any theories as to why that, that happened, but it does seem to be a little disturbing um, when, when we look at the details of the case. Sure. Well, it implicates two sacred cows. Um, it implicates jailbreak. Uh, the fact that you have a repeat violent offender literally was just let out of jail two days prior on charges for, you guessed it, running over uh, a woman, uh, which he was out on jail on bond in itself, $500 bond, I believe, uh, from a previous gun charge. He discharged a firearm that he couldn't even own because he had a 20-year felony history. He was a registered sex offender in Nevada, and he had his 20-year criminal history dating back to 1999, all sorts of things you can't even imagine, never really seemed to serve more than 60, 90 days at a time. And now he was let out on, uh, you know, just such low bond. So that's not really a good angle they want to talk about. And then if you want to make it more in terms of a terroristic uh, motivation, well... Let's just say uh, we don't live in a colorblind society with a colorblind media, and they don't like this narrative. Um, look, all I could tell you, Stu, is that if you had two days after the Chauvin verdict, a white individual from the rural part of Minnesota traveled to Minneapolis and do what this guy did and mow down an all-black parade, um, and then he had social media postings saying that he wanted to run over and knock out blacks. I think you and I might be sitting in one of those Australian uh, camps at this point. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, the, the coverage of this, it, it obviously comes out and, it, you know, they, they tell the basic story. And, but immediately goes to this idea that maybe he was running away from police and maybe it was just the SUV that did it. Maybe it was just the car that was responsible, according to several tweets from The Washington Post and CNN and so on. And there's this... I mean, I don't understand why you can't just cover a news story. There's, there doesn't have to be a huge narrative over every single story. You can just tell the truth and be honest to your viewers. But I don't think that's what their viewers or their readers seem to want anymore. 
You know, I, I think the important thing is that the bias of the media is a bigger deal in terms of obfuscation, what they don't cover, as opposed to maybe the slant to which they do cover stories. And I mm. think this is what you see. This is an enormous story. It really is on so many levels, two days after the Rittenhouse um, uh, verdict. And it, it's just at a time when they're trying to say that there's this ubiquitous bubbling somehow anti-black or racist sentiment among whites. And in fact, we all know, and we judge people as individuals, but you know, there, there's a lot more of this really, you know, uh, pent up from the critical race stuff and all the stuff the media is fomenting that's getting to some of these people that are black nationalists. And it's very much more of a problem in that direction. And they don't want to have that discussion. And that, that slants things. I mean, not to get too far afoot here, but it's the same thing with COVID. They focus on a very narrow, narrow sliver of what sort of news you want to hear about at a given time. Um, you know, a lot of people have a hard time believing that if the if the shots, for example, had certain safety signals, well, I would hear more about it. Well, not really. No, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Um, and that's that's what's so scary uh, that you could have something going on in plain sight. Um, what is what is bizarre, and I think we've covered this at at the Blaze. You could have stories we did with Glenn and Steve, a special uh, two weeks ago yeah. on the origins of COVID. This stuff is in plain sight. <laughs> you know, it's not like you have to dig it up, but you do have to do your research. And if the media doesn't hand it to you, most people won't see it. Um, I, I want to get a little bit. You mentioned Rittenhouse and and the and the, the that trial. I want to get to that for in a second. But before we go there. There, it struck me as, as that we're coming to a, a change in direction a little bit where for a while, even the right, I mean, Donald Trump famously stood and you know, hung out with Kim Kardashian and they decided to pass this uh, uh, you know, crime reform bill. And there was somewhat of an appetite, it seemed like, for a while among the particularly Trump kind of associated uh, part of the right that wanted to push this direction for uh, criminal justice reform. But when you see stories like this in Wisconsin with a guy who has, and I have the thing here, 50 pages of, of, tr of charges against him going back 20 years, as you mentioned, this is infuriating. I mean, there, is, there are some crimes that are going to happen and we can't stop. This is not a, one of them. None of these people had to die. None of these people had to be hit by a car. If we were just sane 15 years ago, this never would have happened. And yet we let this guy come out and just destroy society for multiple decades with no punishment. And then finally let him out on a thousand dollars bond. It's, it's inexcusable. You know, just putting aside the black nationalist rhetoric and the stuff that was on his website, and the motivation, but just as a general criminal, um, there are hundreds of thousands of people mm. like Daryl Brooks on the streets today, um, particularly the last few years that would have been locked up maybe a decade ago. Look, you know, I was one of the pioneers at focusing on this last 10 years, even when it wasn't in the news every day. I focus on these stories. I typically have a column once a week focusing on someone like Daryl Brooks. Um, I think a lot of people focused on the fact that, you know, we have the January 6th stuff, the political persecutions. Um, heck, we're locked people up for uh, opening their business with COVID, not wearing a mask. We have that element of it. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, we need to reform this abusive government. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not the train that they're riding. And that's not the de destination they're taking it to. These are the violent criminals, the gangsters. Um, you know, it was predicated on this notion that somehow we have an over incarceration problem and the prisons are filling to the brims with nonviolent, first time, low level offenders. And I could just tell you, uh, I, I did the math here. 
just in 2019, according to the FBI's Uniform Crime Statistics, and this is reoccurring every year, if you just look at the violent crime categories, just four of them, so armed robbery, rape, aggravated assault, and murder, just those four, so that doesn't include like the gun felonies and drug trafficking and burglary and larceny, things like that. There were about 1.2 million of those uh, uh, crimes reported, um, and seven, 758,000 of them went without a resolution. Unclear. They're mm. called unclear crimes. 758,000. So if we merely had a clearance rate of 100% for all the crimes that I think we all agree are violent and need to be stopped, um, even if you're very pro-drug or whatever, some other stuff – that's 758,000. Now, a lot of them are repeat offenders probably doing multiples, but that's a heck of a lot of people. Now, the other half, the other five, 600,000 that were arrested, Stu, how many do you think results in a, a conviction in serving meaningful time? I could just give you one statistic out of Minnesota for 2019. There were 17,355 felony convictions that year. Only 3,600 were mm. fully sentenced in accordance with the guidelines, and that's at the sentencing level. Almost all of them, particularly in a state like Minnesota, they're getting out on the good time credits, like 50, 40% of the time lopped off. So this notion that we have an over-incarceration problem is such bull. You could find one, two sob stories, but for every one of those, I'll find you a thousand other way. And isn't it really <laughs> your responsibility as a citizen to not break the laws? I mean, like, I have a moral uh, repulsion to the income tax, yet I still suck it up and pay it every year because I live in a civilization where you have to follow rules. I, I don't just yep. not do it because I don't like it. And we act as if, like, you know, human beings are not making these choices on their own. Now, if there's a case where someone's charged incorrectly or someone's framing someone, we know that happens occasionally. And, and of course, sure. that should be dealt with realistically. But, I mean, look, it's your responsibility to play within the lines, is it not? No, exactly. And again, we're not even talking about those crimes that maybe some people wouldn't like, like drug crimes or whatever. And there's a lot to say about a lot of the drug felons do these other things and we would catch them on that. And, you right. know, really it, it reduced the crime in other categories. I'm talking about when they're arrested only for those four <laughs> categories. Um, so, so few of them wind up really serving time commensurate to, to their uh, to the crime, I looked at the Bureau of Justice statistics, and it's truly unbelievable. Even for murder, even for murder, um, you know, only about 44 percent served their entire sentence. Um, the Jeez. median length of time served for murder, and this is this is not manslaughter, this is murder, was less than 10 years in 30 percent of prisoners and was more than 20 only in 42%. The median time served for rape was less than 10 years in 64% of prisoners. And in total, 71% of those serving time for a violent crime category, 71% served less than five years. And these were people that were left prison in 2018 before some of this real uh, juicy stuff was put into place by people like Cuomo and Gavin Newsom. So it's gotten exponentially worse. We've let out well over 100,000 people because of COVID um, in 2020. Uh, our, our prison population has plummeted 20, 30% in most states. And we're seeing the results. Almost every city is racking up record homicides. And they did it last year, and a lot of them are surpassing it 
this year. Um, you know, there, there's a world, Daniel, I think, where a, a guy like Joe Biden, who is going to spend like a crazy person, and we're not going to like that, and he's going to have policies that are culturally to the left of where you and I are, but is tough on crime, who actually takes it seriously. Like, you know, you know, he, you know, he famously got pelted in the Democratic primary for supporting the 1994 crime bill. There's a world, and, and maybe Eric Adams in New York is trying to hint towards this sort of candidate where, you know, you might be left on a lot of things, but you don't let the crime stuff go. You keep society together at some, some level of law and order. Um, you know, if Biden had gone that direction, his approval rating could be completely different. Instead, he's running away from the one thing he's done in his career to actually enforce uh, law and order. Uh, you know, this is a huge mistake and probably good for the Republican Party and any conservative values that have any hope of sticking around here in the next few years. Well, I mean, only if Republicans harness it. The problem is, as, as Glenn always says, this is the shifting of the Overton window. Mm. You see how even Biden was into the 94 crime bill, and now Republicans uh, totally uh, denounce that yeah. and have gone the other way. I mean, to this day, you still have a lot of Southern Republican governors that are obsessed with releasing people from prison even now. And it just it really makes no sense. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of them are doing it because of racial politics. So like, oh, we're incarcerating too many black people. The, the reality is that as of 2019, which was before this whole, uh, you know, coronavirus jailbreak, uh, we've you know, the, the black incarceration rate is lower than it's been since 1989. And, and the consequences are deadly. Look, the 94 crime bill, you know what they don't talk about? We had tens of thousands of fewer fewer black homicide victims over those two decades. Yeah. And now we're reversing that. So you look at Milwaukee, okay? You know, we're talking about Wisconsin. Less than 40% of the population is black. Last year, they had a record number of homicides. Blacks accounted for 91% of homicide victims. So this entire narrative that somehow by letting out the black criminals and any criminal, you're going to help the black areas, the black communities, you're just going to create more homicide victims. Mm, it's just it's disgusting, honestly. And and it puts people uh, who are the you know, in the toughest situation and in, in bad parts of cities at, at biggest risk. Uh, and I know, you know, back you go back to the 90s and it's the Congressional Black Caucus was fighting for, for these reforms. I mean, it was you know, it was it was a widely agreed that this was a major problem. I, we got to leave it there. Daniel Horowitz, senior editor of the Blaze.com, host of the Blaze podcast, Conservative Review. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the program. Looking forward to coming back. Take care. So if you want to buy a home, you want to sell a home, you know what it's like right now. It's a crazy market and, you know, everything's, I mean, look, prices are going up on everything. You know, prices are going up on milk and prices are going up on lumber and prices are going up on steel. Uh, everything in your life, uh, they're going up on the, the housing market as well. So you got to find a real estate agent who you can trust. And that's why Glenn, uh, we just mentioned him, Glenn Beck, uh, started the company realestateagentsitrust.com. Why did he do it? Well, he realized that, you know, when you're in a situation where you're trying to have your biggest financial transaction go through, you need someone who can bring you through that transaction to the very end. So you want to find someone who's on your team, whether you're buying or selling. A lot of people say, ah, I don't need a buyer's agent. I'll just go in there and use whatever agent they have. Well, then you've got someone working on the other side of the transaction, not as much with you. You need someone on your side as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to get more information. You can get it at realestateagentsitrust.com. 
Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I gonna do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders, establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people to succeed in life, organizations that have a mission to serve and build trust while also generating prosperity. That's the American dream. I would have preferred the Wolf of Wall Street speech, but I mean, that's just me. Uh, McConaughey is out. I mean, this pretty much guarantees um, a Republican victory. Whoever comes out of that primary, probably going to be the governor of Texas. Um, so that's, eh, it takes a lot of the, I don't know, the energy out of the opposition. That's for sure. Now they got to just have Beto. Good luck with that. Um, New York is another race that's going on. Obviously, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Uh, com. Uh, he is out of the race now, and we have a competition between the Governor Hochul uh, and uh, Tish James, who is the Attorney General. Um, and Hochul right now leads 40 to 17 among primary voters. New poll conducted by Field Global, 7% um, uh, support Mayor Bill de Blasio, which uh, is inexplicable that he could get that high. I mean, he's the mayor of New York City. You'd think he'd have a... A normal mayor would have, what, 20% right off the bat? Nope. He's got 7% because he's terrible. Uh, but what can you do? And speaking of the Cuomos, uh, we have our ChrisCuomoIsWorse.com merch out here today because of new accusations about Chris Cuomo. And not even accusations. This is all documented. In fact, he's admitted to it. Uh, this is coming out in a new release of some of, these, um, of some of the paperwork behind the investigation on Andrew Cuomo. And a lot of this is really ugly, uh, frankly. Um, Chris Cuomo snooped on Ronan Farrow's reporting uh, for his brother and relayed intel to Andrew Cuomo. Now, you might say, okay, well, look, it's his brother. This is kind of his excuse. It's his brother. He's going to help out. Now, he told CNN that he was in a different place here. He was just an informal advisor, occasionally helped out. What the texts show, and he was in constant contact with Melissa DeRosa, who is sort of like Cuomo's henchman. Um, she, and that's my opinion, of course, but she kind of was one of the main enforcers uh, there. And they went back and forth a lot. And he was dictating speeches. He was offering um, uh, corrections and uh, changes to what Andrew Cuomo was going to say. He famously wrote one of the first speeches you heard about any of this from Andrew Cuomo. Well, deeper than that even is what has come out today. Chris Cuomo was actively in touch with Melissa DeRosa, who was the then governor's top aide, about incoming media reports that detailed alleged sexual harassment by Andrew Cuomo, according to exhibits from the attorney general's probe and a transcript of his interview with the state's investigators. He also lobbied to help the governor's office as it sought to weather the storm of accusations, and he dictated statements for the, non, uh, for the then governor uh, to use. He said, quote, please help me. uh, Let me help with the prep, Chris Cuomo said to DeRosa in one message in early March. Then, three days after the New York Times reported in March about how Andrew Cuomo attempted to kiss a woman, Anna uh, Rook, I believe is the way you pronounce her name, in an unwanted advance at a wedding, Chris Cuomo texted DeRosa, I have a lead on the wedding girl. Now, he was at a wedding when when that kiss went down. He then apparently um, went to sources 
and tried to dig up something on the wedding girl behind the scenes. Now, CNN obviously at this point has given up on any journalistic integrity. They don't care anymore. That's not to say everybody over there doesn't care. Some people over there are still pretty good. But I will say, like, as an organization, they seem to have completely bailed, especially as it comes to Chris Cuomo. I don't know what pictures Chris Cuomo has of executives doing God knows what, but he's got something because, I mean, his show shouldn't even be on the air based on its performance, let alone the fact that he's advising, he's writing speeches in the middle of scandals that CNN is covering. He's uh, been accused, uh, you know, on his own of, of untoward behavior towards underlings. Uh, and now this, where he is looking for what seems like dirt on a, a woman who you know, got a, was basically forcibly kissed at a wedding in front of cameras. Uh, the fact that Chris Cuomo would be involved in this shows you the type of character that he has. And word is that uh, they're going to be de- deciding his fate. We'll see what happens. I, I will never believe CNN will do anything on this until it actually happens. But supposedly a decision is coming. We'll keep you filled in. There's at least one great Monday every year, and that's Cyber Monday. It's here. You're here. And now some great deals on Built Bar are here with you. Right now you can get 20% off uh, pretty much everything delicious and healthy, which is to say at least 20% off site-wide. Uh, there are even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. Uh, this is the moment we've been waiting for. If you've never tried Built Bars, it's a time to jump in. Cyber Monday, they got a new flavor, Caramel Almond Delight car- Caramelized Chocolate Almonds. Uh, and of course, it's delightful. We know that. Uh, these bars have only 150 calories. They got 17 grams of protein. You can get filled up. It could be delicious. Uh, and if you happen to be craving uh, white chocolate for a limited time, you can get the special Built Bar Puffs flavor white chocolate cheesecake. It's delicious protein that you're going to love. It's got a marshmallowy center. It's covered in white chocolate. I mean, come on, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com. Get these bars now. 20% off everything. Head to Built.com. Use the code STEW20 before it's too late. 20% off now. STEW20 is the code at Built.com. It is Cyber Monday. You can get your Christmas merch right now. StuDoesMerch.com. Use the promo code Stu20 to save 20% off. Uh, this was posted. It says, Lisa Page, that's my wife, thinks she looks better than in my Nancy Pelosi shirt than me. And, and with a side-by-side, this is not helpful to anyone, but you did comment underneath as to who wore it better. Tom writes, well, you married up and apparently she didn't. So sorry, Stu, but I do love your show. You can't get back in my good graces with that. How about this one? Joseph, Lisa Page would look better in a burlap sack than you, Stu. Well, we were talking about a burlap sack, were we? No, we were not. Brian says, I'm sure it's just the lighting. Thanks a lot for that. Greg, well, she's hot and you're lovable. Five stars, you're great, whatever. Thank you. Ricardo says, sorry to say say it, Stu, but she does look better with a shirt. Good thing, though is that Nancy Pelosi does still suck. Well, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. And finally, she does. She looks better. Thought the reason you hang out with Jeffy is because he makes you look good by comparison. And yes, that is the reason that I hang out with Jeffy. Back in a second. We need a place to fight back against the mainstream media. And you have it right here, Blaze TV. Sign up at blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is Stu. You'll save 10 bucks and be helping the cause, helping us push back against this behemoth 
we're constantly fighting against. You can also watch the show on social media and on podcasts. Please rate and review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars.